Charles, I'm at this point where I think I have enough information now to uh, to go with this story. So stand by, folks. Here we go. We're getting reports, uh, and we have been over the last 30-some minutes, that uh, Art Bell has died. Uh I'm trying to get my composure here, folks. Uh, he was 72 years old. Uh, our senior producer, Tom Danheiser, and executive producer, Lisa Lyon, and Jimmy Church have been working this story all night. Uh, I'm going to go to Tom in the L.A. studio. George, I'm right here. Um... It's a very sad night. Uh, I just got off the phone with George Knapp, and a press release was sent to all the media. It simply read, Community announcement, longtime resident and radio show host Art Bell died today at 72 years old in his home in Pahrump, Nevada. It's truly a sad night. (sighs) You know, Art and I were not that close. Um, We had our differences. Uh, but he was uh, one of those instrumental in me being where I am right now. the show everyone thanks for being here tonight got uh, tony merkel from the confessionals uh the confessionals podcast.com tony how are you what's going on brother good to be back yeah yeah no it's nice to be back and you know it, I, we were talking about art bell and kind of what art bell meant to guys like you and i what we do and i think he really was the godfather of this type of medium, you know, whether you want to call it podcasting, radio, he really was the godfather. He was the one that really started this and almost made it cool. You know what I mean? Art Bell really made this genre kind of cool. But what do you remember of Art Bell? Well, uh, I I was introduced to him kind of later in the years and stuff. Uh, But one of the things that I've picked up from Art Bell was that he was the godfather of this whole uh, genre that we we pursue. And there's hundreds of people who have come after art because of art. And, uh, you know, I think that's a true sign of greatness when you are actually able to multiply yourself effectively. And uh, that is something that he did uh, in a way that you really can't uh, duplicate because I mean, have you ever met Art Bell? No, I have never met Art Bell, but we've been deeply affected by what he did years ago today. And so 
for me, it's just like one of those great appreciations. And to be honest with you, like never, I ne- it never crossed my mind that Art Bell wouldn't be around much longer. Uh, it's something that just, you know, you, you kind of take for granted at some points and you're just, you know, oh yeah, Art Bell and George Norrie and Jimmy Church. And, you know, you got all these different people and it's just like, they're here and they're going to always be here. And uh, when this, something like this happens, it, uh, it kind of smacks you in the face because uh, all of a sudden you realize how fragile life is. You got people that you respect and that you care about, you know, they're not always going to be here tomorrow. And so it kind of wakes you up a little bit, you know? Yeah, it does. You know what I used to love about art? He would have some of the craziest guests on. I mean, some of the everything from, you know, a time time traveler to uh, I was raped by an alien or, you know, and art would be <laughs> like, mm-hmm, okay. And what happened yep. next? Okay. Mm-hmm. And he never really, I mean, he would call some people out, but in, in the Art Bell style of calling people out, he wouldn't directly come after you. But what I loved about him is he would listen to everyone and he would give you an opportunity to make your case or tell your story or and he And you never really felt like Art was going to really beat up the guest. Um, and even the callers that came in, I mean, this was like a one-man show. I don't even think Art really um, screened his callers when they came in. And he had some of the craziest callers. Yeah, I mean, you kind of – you just he, you learn from Art in that kind of aspect too. I mean, I know you do and I do as well when it comes to how you handle guests and stuff with respect. Uh, you know, it, it's easy to kind of jump on people on things, especially because, I mean, with what we do and stuff, there, there's times that you don't necessarily always agree with the person you have on. Uh, but art really laid the foundation for us to really know how to uh, communicate with people in a respectful manner, even though maybe, you know, there is a disagreement. It's like, that's OK, because we're here to learn. We're, we're talking about things that there, there is no handbook on, you know, like there, there is no uh, class book on, you know, how to find Bigfoot or anything like that. It's just we're talking about some things that science doesn't want to recognize. And so we got to treat each other with, with respect. I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't agree more. You know, one of the calls that he had, someone called in. Take a listen to this. Online, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, area, area 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? Uh, I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and and <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're uh, they're, they're, they're going to um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um. Um. Okay, what what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with uh, they they are not what they claim to be uh, they have infiltrated a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of aspects of, of, of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the, the disasters that are coming, they, the, the military, 
I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them. And there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now, Art. But they're not doing, they're not doing anything. They are not. They want the major population centers wiped out so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable. Discharge. <laughs> So this is 1997. Art show actually goes off the air. The networks playing that were syndicating him at the time started playing old shows of his. But as far as art goes, the whole system shuts down, and then he goes to a backup. way something knocked us off the air and we're on a backup system now it's uh, the government or i don't know it has to be something though well did you hear now you tell me because you were listening that was awful strange there was a really weird guy on the air when it went off yeah real weird out like uh going sort of sort of sounding paranoid yeah like crying and everything yeah yeah yeah. yeah, and how far into the conversation was it when when it went off? Just a couple, about fifteen twenty seconds, I'd say. Oh, you like you it. guys missed you really missed the call then, and I've got a feeling somebody didn't want you to hear it. Yeah, because <laughs> um, it was really strange. All of a sudden, I'm hearing Mark Furman, and when I when that's I was right. Well, the network to... the network, of course, went immediately to a backup tape while we tried to figure out what blew up here. Uh huh. So that's what you heard happen. Uh huh. And then we're now on a backup link system uh-huh. uh, to be on the air at all right now. So, well, I'm telling you. Am I on the air right now? You're on the air right now. Well, you all better right. be, yes. <laughs> and uh, Where are you, by the way? I'm in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, I called the other night. And uh, I wanted to ask two things. Real quick. Well, I wanted to say one thing, and I wanted to ask another. Real quick. I wanted to ask if you could play that um, remote viewing uh, one when you were in while you go to Egypt? Yes. And also, I wanted to know uh, uh, all this uh, stuff about, like, uh, Area 51, if it's, like, the government's trying to put it out there like that, so, like, some other place isn't being watched as much. In other words, it's a big decoy. I see what you're saying. Apparently, we'll be back after the news, I think. We lost all transmit capability on this end here in Nevada. The transmitter went belly up suddenly for some unknown reason. I've never seen it do this in all the years, all the years that we've been on the air. I have never seen the transmitter in this way just simply fail, a massively fail, like a massive heart attack of some kind. And so we have gone to a backup system to get the signal to you right now, and I presume it is getting to you right now. Crazy call. And, you know, I, I know later on a guy called and said, oh, it was me, you know, it was a hoax. Uh, but the guy that called back to, then said it was a hoax, he didn't sound like the same guy. They sound like two completely different people. 
And I'll tell you mm-hmm. something else about that recording. Arbel was actually knocked off the air. His whole system went down when he was on the phone with that guy. Right. And if, you know, art's not, I realize art is, you know, he kind of is theatrical. He kind of creates the mood and everything. Art's not going to let his show go down. If I do and you do what he does at a very, very small level, and you and I both know there's no way in hell you're going to let your show go down, especially a live show go down. You're not going to risk something like that. So I think somebody shut Art's art show down. And I kind of think that was a real call. Like I said, a guy called uh, afterwards and said, oh, you know, it was a big hoax, blah, 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 blah. Let's say it was a hoax. Why was Art's whole show brought down exactly. off the air? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. I mean, even if it was a hoax, how did the how did the guy hoaxing take down Art's show? You know, because that that's a that's a huge. Uh, well, it's just not a coincidence in my mind because like he's saying on the phone that he that he doesn't have a lot of time. They're going to triangulate him, and he starts talking, and then the show goes down. Uh, so I mean, at some point you say that's not a coincidence. Those are very much uh, in line with each other, no matter if the guy comes on or somebody pretending to be the guy comes on saying he was pranking, then you, if you, if that's the case, then you have to come forward and say, then how did you take that on my show? Because those two go right together. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. It was a very strange one, but you know, Art used to have a lot of strange callers. I mean, some of his best shows where he just let people come on and talk. I mean, outside of the guest, he would just allow people to come on and talk. And you know, Art did so many, he was kind of a genius in the sense that if my show was live, if I was doing a live show again, I think I would do it around midnight, around that time frame, to kind of set the mood uh, for what you're talking about. And he was just a genius in a lot of things that he did. And the way he handled the guests, the transition between guests, I think all of us copy what Art did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the the late night uh, talk show kind of thing, you're absolutely right. It definitely sets the mood. Uh, you know, you got a lot of truck. I'm a truck driver and my dad's a truck driver. And my dad actually drives at night. And uh, I didn't know this about my dad, but my dad listens to coast to coast all the time while he's driving at night. And uh, he, he loves it. And so he says sometimes he actually has to change the channel because he's going down a dark stretch of road and they're talking about some stuff. He just can picture something jumping out in front of his truck. But I mean, you're absolutely right about setting the mood because, you know, do you want to do it at noon or at midnight? Of course, midnight. And so it just worked out great. The other call that um, really comes to mind relates to what you and I do, Tony. Um, it was a guy named Bugs, and he called in and talked about killing a Sasquatch. And I know everyone says this is a hoax story, but if you listen to the story, I don't know that it's hoax because uh, Bugs kind of puts himself in a bad position. He puts himself in bad light. I don't know if he's just making up a story. You you would think he would say it charged him, it came after him. Uh, but here's a clip from that show. And this had to be four probably three, four, five in the morning. I don't remember the exact time. Come around the bend, and then it, and it's bottom there, just before you cross Elk, Elm Creek. So you're hunting with lights then? Oh, yeah. We're using spotlights off the top, off the roof of the pickup, using 500-watt uh, uh, halogen bulbs. It would light up anything from within a half a mile. Uh, you, you, you can see where you're standing, see the ground good. And anything with eyes lights up real well. Uh, them eyes. The thing about it is, after you hunted as much as we did, you could tell by looking at a set of eyes what they were. Mm-hmm. If they were a cow, they were wide apart and they were red. If they were a coyote, uh, 
they were mirror and they were more blue red. I mean, it just after a period of time, Art, you just you knew what you could look in that scope and you knew what was there. I'm not a hunter, so I just take your word for it. <laughs> well, it, it, it was it was just that way. I mean. But anyway, we come around this bend and come up over this rise, and there was a wheat field out in front of us, and, a, and just before we crossed this creek, and it was a valley down in there, and it's probably, oh, I'd say it's a, uh, has wheat land right there, and it's probably a quarter mile or so wide to, uh, from that road to the creek, and it's probably a mile, about a mile long, it runs alongside that creek, and it's flat and has that. And we come around this bend, and up and over a little hill and dropped into this valley. Well, just as we dropped into this valley, our, our lights hit, picked up a set of eyes. And uh, I hit the brakes. I was driving, and and Bird Dog, he come out on the side. He had a 300 Weatherly Magnum, and he come across the top. I said, what do you got? And he says, I don't know. That ain't something i ever seen before. Well, when, when you, said, you said a set of eyes, did you mean two eyes or four? Two eyes. Two eyes. Two eyes. What color were they, Bugs, if you don't mind? They were uh, furious red. The reddest eyes I've ever seen in my life. Really? Under those, under those lights. Okay. Uh, they, it, it was something we, we knew it wasn't a deer because uh, of the, the eyes. And it was something. And so I pulled my rifle out. I used a two forty three. I put my scope on it. And I could see whatever it was is crouching. And uh, so Bird Dog, he got out and leaned over the hood of the pickup where he could get him a good shot. And Jim, he come up over the top of the cab, and he, I, I don't even remember what kind of, I think he was using the 270, I don't remember for sure. But he lined up over the cab, and I was sitting there, and, and we just had both these spotlights on this, on this, on this varmint there. And, uh, I said, I don't know what it is, and they don't either. And I said, well, it sure ain't nothing we know about it. Let's take it. And all three of us fired at the same time. And all of a sudden, this thing got up, and it must have been seven, eight foot tall at least. I don't know. Scared the heck out of it. I started running. And well, we all loaded, and we fired again. We knocked it down again. And then it run, I guess uh, it was probably a 100 maybe 150 yards from, from the point we fired the first time till it hit the fence and went into that creek. And uh, we knocked it down. It's probably 25, 30 yards from the, from the fence. It fell into a creek. No, not at this point. And yeah. just as it was crossing the creek, we hit it again. Now, was it, excuse me, uh, was it running on four legs or it two? It was running on two legs, just like a human being. And I mean, it was... Right. right, so it was running on two legs. It's right. something you've never seen before, but you three guys cut down on it. Well, we had done shot, and we did not know what it was. It was hunched over. It, it really wasn't using its front legs, I mean, its, front, its arms, as much as it was. Uh, it wasn't standing up straight. We still thought it was what I thought it was at first, to be honest with you, it was a bear. And that's why we fired. All right, so you, you had uh, three of you fired initially, right? right? And so we all fired three times. So you... Uh, you guys are all non-vets, right? Right. And so you've had night combat, I'm sure. 
Right. Okay, so you have somewhat, something getting up on two legs and running away, and you still cut down on it. Okay, I, I have the picture. Go ahead, please. Okay. Well, like I said, I originally thought it was a bear. I did not even, I had no idea. We had done fired on it at the point in time that it was sitting out there. Once, once we fired, I don't know, I guess we just got a little bit gung-ho and kept shooting. But anyway, the second time we shot it, it went over the fence. Well, we went and looked, and we, at this point in time, we were all getting scared because we thought, well, maybe this wasn't an animal. Right. So, like I say, it was probably 3, 4, 5 in the morning, so we decided to drive around a while, about 5, 36. We went back over there, and we drove up there, and we went down, and we seen blood. So we've seen some tracks. Uh, looked like a, a human foot. And uh, to be honest with you, I thought, well, now we done shot a human. Mm -hmm. Now I'm getting scared. So we go on up and start following these tracks, and the creek runs all from this point probably... 50, 75 yards east, and then it turns back south some. <clears throat> well, these tracks are going down the creek, and they come out, and they went uh, straight on east uh, from where the creek turned back south. About another oh, 25, 30 yards, there was a uh, plum thicket. And we were walking there, and we heard something in that plum thicket. I mean, it was a growl-type uh, sound. And we kind of looked at each other, and so we decided, well, who goes in and see what it was? A growl. Yeah, and again, at this point, we thought, well, it's a bear. We done found a bear up here. So uh, I got elected. I had a forty-four Magnum pistol. I climbed into the plum thickets, and I got in, oh, probably... 20 feet at the most in art. <laughs> this thing come up at me, I mean, it couldn't have been over, I'd say, six or seven feet from me. I didn't even see it until it was there. And it raised up and let out a sound that just is very similar to the one you have on your tape. And when it did... You're talking about, uh, as he grabs for it, this one, I presume... Anything like that? Yeah, just just the first one, not not a repeat. Just a yeah, that uh, first scream it. is uh, said to be uh, an authentic uh, uh, Bigfoot sound, Robert. Yeah, that's what they say. I I, I have never yeah. heard them scream like that. I've heard them uh, howl. I've heard them hoot, and I've heard them talk. But I've never. I've, You've I've, never heard a scream like that. No. Oh well. First of all, I've never uh, challenged them, uh, so they don't uh, perceive me as a threat of any sort, so they wouldn't uh, try to understand that. All right, so anyway, Bugs, it sounded something like that. There's something similar to just the first part. It right. didn't go on and on. It's just one shrill. Right. And I'm, I'm basically on my all fours in a crawl position, and I just brought my 44 up, and I started popping shells. And the first one I, I hit... It, uh, the first one hit it, I just aiming right at the chest. Describe what this thing, since you were seeing it now full on, what did it look like? 
Oh. Best you can. At that point. Six feet tall. Probably, but it was not standing up, Art, at that point. It was more in a hunched, squat-type position. All right. I mean, it come up. Would you describe this as human-looking, as, as ape-looking? Did it have hair covering it? Uh, what can you tell us about it? It had reddish, brownish-red hair. Uh, it had hair on the face, uh, completely covering the face. The it, Its whole body was covered with hair. At that point, I just fired. Uh, it dropped down. Started back up, I fired again, and it 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 then kind of rocked, went backwards, and it come back up, and I fired again. I hit it three times with a 225 grain, 44 magnum hollow point, probably six to eight feet, and it was down. Well. The other guys were standing guard up on top watching, and they couldn't see nothing. They heard me firing, and they yelled, if I was all right, and I said, yeah, I got it. Well, they came they came crawling in there and where I was at, and they seen it, so we decided we'd drag it out. We got to looking, and all this thing had was three holes. And this was a female. You could tell it had breasts similar to a, to a woman. It had a sexual organ and similar to a woman. Really? Facial, facial features were different than a human being. Like I say, it was covered completely in hair. So we went back in and we found the male probably, I'd say, eight, ten foot behind where she was at. He was dead. He was dead? Yeah. So we drug him out. We laid him out side by side. Uh, the male was probably six to eight inches taller than a female. Estimating the male to probably be eight foot plus, female uh, seven plus. <clears throat> so we looked at him. We got scared because, like, in the male, he had sexual organs like a human. Uh, we looked at their teeth. They were not human, human type teeth. I can't say that they were an ape. I can't say that they were a uh, human. They, they looked. They had the features of a human overall, but uh, the details were not. Yeah, that's a crazy story. I mean, it's a crazy, crazy encounter. And I remember the first time I heard this, I actually kind of believed the guy. I, I think he actually did kill two of these creatures, probably did bury them, and didn't really know what he had shot at the time. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, especially like when I first started looking into the Bigfoot stuff, uh, you know, it was this... I don't know. It's just like a common thing. Everybody assumes these things are indestructible. These things can't be killed. These things, uh, you know, you shoot them and it's just going to irritate them. Uh, but then you do hear about these stories of people killing these things. And his was obviously really dramatic, uh, you know, but, you know, I even did a show on my on my show about somebody who, you know, came on and he talked about how he killed a Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, I don't care what it is, if it has a head and you shoot it in the head at pretty close range, it's going to go down. So, uh, you know, it, it's very interesting stuff for sure. Yeah. Now, our bell will be missed. And, you know, I just want to do a quick tribute to him and, and talk about him because he really did. He really was the godfather. He probably would have been in my top three people I'd ever want to interview. Our bell definitely would be in that list. 
and he'll yeah. definitely be missed. And he he made a huge impact, you know, on on all kinds of shows. You know, whether you listen to the show, you have your own podcast or whatever. Uh, you got to tip your hat to Art Bell, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I used this example just uh, this weekend and stuff with some of my patrons and stuff. I did a live video and uh, I told him, I said, Art Bell was like a great coach in the NFL because in the NFL, you have these great coaches. And uh, from those great coaches, their assistants go out and become coaches. And you can see the coaching, the coaching tree grow throughout the NFL from one coach. And that's kind of like what Art Bell did with this stuff. I mean, he was the one guy and from him, it just grew. And now there's hundreds of us. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. Here's to uh, Art Bell. Cheers. Cheers, my brother. To Art Bell. And uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up, unless you want to give us your honest opinion about that ex-Satanist you had on your show on the uh, confessionals. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I can, um, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to, man. I'm just messing with you. Oh, by the way, uh, you are going to be on for the live show, right? Yeah. And for the audience out there, uh, Tony's doing a, he had an ex-Satanist on the show and it's kind of a tough show to listen to. There's portions of it I had a hard time listening to, some of the things that they do. And when is the live show, Tony? Uh, the live show is going to be next Saturday, the 28th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to have on him back on where people can actually call into the show and uh, talk to myself and the guests and you. Uh, the key is they have to be a patron, though. It's a patrons-only show. Um, but I, I will say this, though. I will say that uh, I had him on, and uh, he... From a very young age, he started out in this stuff. And he actually, when he first started, he didn't know he was doing uh, satanic stuff. Uh, he just thought he was just doing some really cool stuff with really cool people. And it turns out he, he's in a satanic coven and he loved what he was doing anyway. So he became a full you know member of it. And uh, he describes some of the things they would be doing. Uh, it, it, it gets hard to listen to at times, but, uh, you know, uh, he just comes on and kind of spills the beans as to, you know, what it meant to be a satanic high wizard in the Satan Satanism. Yeah. And I mean, I know a lot of people won't tune in for it, but it, it was fascinating. It was fascinating to hear what he had to say. Um, a lot, most of it was hard to listen to some of the rituals that they do. Um, I found myself being like, man, do I really want to keep listening to this? But it's one of, it's like watching a car crash. You know what I mean? It's like, you want to look away, but you're, you, you're not going to, you're going to watch the car crash. And, uh, yeah. I don't know if that was the best way to describe <laughs> but it. But it was a good show. I mean, I it kept my attention. Uh, you, and you know, Tony, I mean, hell, you and I talk every day. You know how hard it is to keep my attention. It kept my attention. <laughs> and I can't yeah. wait. Um, I guess go to the confessionalspodcast.com and uh, you can look to see to become a patron. I'll definitely join you for that, though. I, I got about 20 questions for him uh, that I'd love answers to, and he'd probably be the one to answer it, so... Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's a patrons only episode. So, I mean, if people want to become patrons to kind of check it out and stuff, it's good a time to do it because this is a big guest that we're going to have on the show. So if you want to check it out, go to patreon.com backslash the confessionals, patreon.com backslash the confessionals, and you can check out all the different rewards and fun stuff there. Lots of rewards. Look at you, straight up hustler. <laughs> I'm getting used to being a salesman. <laughs>
Yeah.